It's not common that three generations of a family can sit together around a small table, drink beer, and catch up on what the others have been up to for the past several years. Quinyon, a coastal city, is rich in fresh seafood. It would be remiss not to enjoy the delicacies of the sea that the city has to offer. On this occasion, our extended relatives in the area also joined us for what seemed to be a feast, but only truly a family reunion get-together. We had ordered oysters baked with shallots and butter, freshly cut prawns and shrimp boiled and dipped in lemon chili sauce, and Quinion's delicacy dish, fish porridge, and, and stir-fried noodles for the kids who tagged along. My cousin had returned from the States after seven years or so of living, living abroad. I've been learning abroad for the last two years, and boy oh boy did we receive a hero's welcome. Arriving at Quinion Station, my father's sister, Miss Ha, waited patiently on a scooter and picked me up. She loaded my small suitcase in the space between the steering wheel and the trunk and drove me to 90 Leloi Street. Waiting at the door, my 92-year-old grandpa was standing at the door. His eyes lit up when he saw me. I knew then that I was truly home. Welcome to the Vietnamese Narrative Podcast. Quinyon is a developing city. It is also experiencing a new wave of life, like Fukuok, but the city has an old-school charm that is hard to eradicate. The north of the city, a mainly mountainous and coastal area, is beginning to see a new wave of complex developments, mainly fueled by foreign investors. If you take a motorcycle ride along the coast on Sungyu Street, you would see the beachfront lined up with tikis and umbrellas and chairs with wooden swings and sea lantern decorations. That is the famous surf bar cafe. On the other side of the street are seafood restaurants, or nyao restaurants. The word means to have a good time out over some food, but said informally. There's never a shortage of restaurants and places to eat near the coast. My personal favorite is a place called Kimden, which serves Vietnamese round bowl-like rice cakes and smoothies. The place opened before I was born. I used to eat there virtually every day when I was still a small kid. Usually, I would order seven to eight plates of the rice cakes all the time and swallow them down with a glass of mango smoothie. The place still opens today and virtually nothing has changed. But within the city, you can find hidden cuisine treasures. Aside from the food, though, the city is vibrant both day and night. Tourists in the morning flock to the beaches in their swimsuits and floaty devices. Children and adults alike splash around the waves and swim out to the red buoy boundaries, where they swim back ashore. Some play soccer and volleyball on the beach. Others build sandcastles, whereas some just sit and enjoy the sun. In the afternoon, karaoke vendors fill the main square, where a statue was built there just several years ago. Impromptu concerts are not an unusual sight in Quinyun. Students and locals ride out near the square on their mopeds to join in the fun. Tourist buggies and rental carts fill the streets surrounding the square too. At night, Quinyun city center comes alive, and the food scene near the square roars. By 2 a.m., though, the noise dies down, and everyone returns home for a deep night's rest and prepares for another day. Yeah, right. Okay. Ông tên là gì? Ông hả? Ông tên là Phan Điền. Ông sinh ngày mấy năm mấy? 
ông sinh ra ngày theo giấy khai sinh ngày xưa giấy khai sinh đấy 31 tháng 12 năm 1930 But the tourism scene in the city is not what I'm here to share though I hope you got a glimpse of a part of my home I want to share the story of my grandpa the person I returned to Quinyon to see His name is Bing he was born here in Quinyon in 1930 This year he is 92 and still strong and healthy though he would say his vision and hearing deteriorated a little bit he has several scars on his head as well as on his two legs. On his arms are several brown coloration marks. His grin grew tender. This was a sign, he said, of his old age. Every morning, he takes his bike and exercises by taking it for a ride along the beachfront. He wakes up around 5 a.m., stretches for a little bit, reads the news on his tablet that we bought for him several years ago, and takes his bike out for a ride for about an hour. From the ordinary perspective, he may look like any other senior, but carried within him are over 30 years worth of memories of war. He joined the Vietnamese army during the French Revolution and rose up the ranks when the American War happened, and retired several years after the liberation of the South and after fighting several minor auxiliary wars. During his journey as a soldier, he traversed mountains and battlefields, dodged bombs and planes and bullets, and nearly killed himself. But looking back at his time, he does not regret being a soldier, for it taught him how to be a man he is today. This podcast episode is dedicated to his stories and the message he has to give. You will hear several extracts from our hour-long interview. Mỗi cương vị lúc bây giờ khác nhau. Đó, người thì đi trực tiếp chiến trường, người thì đang theo dõi chiến đấu, người phục vụ chiến đấu, nhưng nhân dân đều hướng về miền Nam hết. Nam thì miền Bắc Việt Nam với miền Nam nhưng mà chỉ có Việt Nam mới thống nhất được đất nước tự mình giải phóng Each soldier has a different position. Some directly approached the combat site, some followed the war from afar, and some were service members of the army. But what everyone had in common was that their attention was averted to the south. Learning Vietnamese history, you will realize how amazing and interesting it is. The liberation of the south is a one-of-a-kind event. Remember, at that time, there were only three or so countries which are truly divided. Germany was divided into East and West Germany. Korea was split into North and South Korea. And Vietnam was divided into South and North Vietnam. But out of these three, only Vietnam has successfully reunited on its own. Germany was reunited as a result of a treaty. And Korea is still split today. That makes the reunification of the country something special and rare in world history. Escaping from the French rule took nine years. The war with, with America took 20 years. But afterwards, Vietnam had to fight northern forces, China, etc., and territorial threats for another 10 years from 1978 to 1988. The country was constantly at war. No one really knows the true aftermath of the American war. 
the aftermath of the constant battles with the northern forces and the war. France, America, China, Japan, England, Australia, Korea, all were at one time present on Vietnamese soil with invasionist arms. The world's most powerful armies were all on Vietnamese grounds, and we fought them all. Our country is changing. It's different from before. When you depart Vietnam and return to the country, you can see how different the country is. We have to be happy for the country. Rising from hardship is no easy feat. After the war, you should remember that Vietnam was under a period of American economic sanctions. The country was ridden with poverty. Overcoming the poverty period, Vietnam made an effort to develop foreign relations and be a friend to the world. Integrating the Vietnamese market into many economies and the Vietnamese culture in many countries took a lot of time and a lot of effort. The youth today grew up in privileged conditions. They haven't been able to see the change in the country and haven't fully grown to appreciate the conditions they have today. To get to where the country is today, many men and women soldiers sacrificed themselves for the good of the nation. For my generation, I look at the position we are in today and reflect knowing how many of my comrades died to get me to where I am today. So, therefore, only by thoroughly understanding the history behind the country can one really appreciate how fragile freedom and independence are and how it is so vital for us to maintain them. Cho nên các con chưa thấy được, chưa quý được Chứ đối với những thế hệ như ông Thấy được cái cục diện như ngày nay Rất quý Rất quý Và suy ngẫm lại Biết ơn bao nhiêu những thế hệ Bao nhiêu đồng bào chiến sĩ mình Đã hy sinh mới có được như ngày nay Đó Cho nên Hiện nay Nếu mình hiểu được chi kỹ kỹ lưỡng như thế thì mình mới quý được, mới trân trọng được những thành quả quyết bảo vệ cho mình được và phát triển đất nước mình. Chứ không phải đơn giản đó. Bây giờ các con làm sao hiểu được, không hiểu được. Vì khi các con sinh ra, nó đã sướng rồi. Cuộc sống như thế đi lên, các con chưa thấy được cái khó khăn ở trước kia. Ví dụ ông này, this year, I'm around 90 years old. Is there another generation like mine? I lived through the period when the country was enslaved. Do you know what that means? 
Overcoming wars that don't last days but last decades. Knowing the misery, the sacrifice, will reveal the precious nature of that sacrifice that forms so much of the country's independence today. You haven't lived a day in the war. My generation overcame free wars against the French, the Americans, the Northern Auxiliary Forces for decades, 39 total years of constant warfare. Overcoming periods of economic depression, I formed many thoughts. It accumulates over time, but seeing the upward development of the country is extremely exciting and I'm ever so appreciative of it. Mười năm chống bành trướng Trung Quốc và phía Bắc Và bọn Phương Quốc ở phương Nam Là 29, 39 năm trời Liên tục chiến tranh như thế ha. Đó Thì bây giờ rồi trái qua Những năm tháng bị cấm vận Khổ sở thiếu thốn về kinh tế Đến bây giờ một cái một con người mà trải qua từng trải qua từng thời kỳ đất nước Từng giai đoạn lịch sử của đất nước như vậy thì nhiều ý kiến lắm He describes the lessons he learned from a soldier's perspective And his memories of what life on the battlefield was like Suốt đời người lính đã học hỏi được gì điều gì à Bây giờ nhiều chuyện lắm Làm người học tập Nó rèn luyện cho mình đủ việc con Về cách nhìn Về đạo đức con người Về lối sống con người Throughout my life as a soldier I learned many things I learned how to be human How to learn How to train I developed my morals My lifestyle My life skills My mental game My physicality My intellect And how I think Being a soldier will teach you About what reality really looks like Coming in contact with the enemy, in contact with nature, taught me that accomplishing a mission is never easy. Ngày xưa đi học khổ lắm con Khó lắm, khổ lắm Cái giấy viết cũng không có đâu Ông phải nhung nước Nhung nước lên tờ giấy viết rồi đó Thôi người đến đi Nó khô Vô mình viết nhát trở lại Chứ không phải như bây giờ Cho nên có thời gian khổ Thì mới biết cái xuống được <cười> Cái tinh thần mình nhiều khi phải hiểu chỗ đó 
đó nhìn lại quá khứ đất nước mình được như ngày nay mà mình được hướng mình được hướng ngày nay không phải đơn giản tự nhiên mà có như ông Liêu đâu không phải tự nhiên Just imagine when I was still young and went to school. It was tough, even paper was rare. I had to dip the sheet in paint in water and dry it and write on it again the next day. Like I said, knowing the miserable will teach you how to be appreciative of the present. Looking at the past, getting to where I am right now was not easy. There were moments in my career as a soldier that I felt like I was closest to death. Well, on my foot is a long scar that's still healing. It is commemorative of when I was in the troop zone battleground. The enemy directly stabbed my leg using their field weaponry. This was during the French rule. I evaded the enemy forces while injured, hiding in a nearby trench, but I was dormant in the field for about a month. My leg was bloody, and blood flowed endlessly, and there was no food around. On my head, I have a scar from the American War. It was from a B-52. A destructive weapon used by the Americans that just missed my head. It grazed it a little bit. When I was sleeping, the enemy forces dropped the bomb and the shards grazed my head. If I had slept an inch or two higher, I would have been dead. But that's my luck. On my head, the B-52 wounds remain, the most modern destructive weapon of all time. On my leg, a scar from the ambush with the French. One modern, one old-fashioned, but these are my relics of the war. Vũ khí hủy diệt, gọi là hiện đại nhất của Mỹ, dưới chân còn lưu lại một cái vết trông của chiến tranh du kích. Một cái thì hiện đại, một cái du kích. Nó còn lưu lại trên người của mình, kỷ niệm của một thời chiến tranh. <cười> không nhiều cái lắm con chưa nói với con bây giờ ông nội chỉ nói một điểm thôi ngồi buổi chiều có những lúc ông nội nhìn lên trường sơn lên núi cái này những rảnh cây cao mờ mịt như thế con có tưởng tượng được một điểm thế này không nghe ông nội nêu này nếu bây giờ bỏ con lên một mình ở trường sơn con có thể sinh sống được không chắc là không không ông nội hỏi thế chắc chắc là con không sống được nhưng mà lúc bây giờ như thế nào ở ngoài bắc ông nội đi vào nam kể ra thế này đi cái dãy núi trường sơn mà khi ông nội ở trên ở, ở bình định này ông nội vượt ra ngoài bắc ông nội đi mất 4 tháng trời lúc bây giờ chỉ có 20 tuổi thôi đi từ bình định rồi qua liên u ba rần cứ rình vũ trường sơn lũi thúi đi lúc bây giờ chỉ có 20 tuổi đi lên vùng chiến khu việt bắc tuyên quang thái nguyên rồi bắc cạn rồi cao bằng từ cao bằng vượt lên hà giang biên giới con biết không cũng đi bộ hàng tháng trời qua cổng trời rồi qua Trung Quốc nữa kìa đi bộ hết đi vào Nam năm 63 cũng chỉ tôi bằng trong này thôi đi bộ Sitting in the afternoon, sometimes I look back at the Trungsung Mountain. The tall tree canopies covered the sky in the sharp edgy bushes that lined the narrow trail. Can you imagine that? I want to ask, 
If I dropped you alone on the mountain for a week, can you survive? When I was at the central region in Binbin and had to travel to the north, I walked for four months. I was only 20 back then. Walking from Binbin, from Ling Uba to Vik Bak, Pai Nguyen, Tuyen Quang, Cao Bang, and then up to Hai Yang. Walking near the border with China was the same. I had to walk through the sky gate, through China, then back into Vietnam. Walking back to the south in 1963, I also walked for about two months. Perhaps throughout my journey, I climbed through and across the Trubsong mountain range three times. What, what actually happened within those times? Well, I was only equipped with a machete. I didn't have rice, no food, and had a regiment to feed. So where did I get my food? Well, I had to farm. Cassavas were easiest to farm. They took five months to ripen up, but we started eating them when they were still young at about four months. Corn was also another staple crop. We farmed them by ourselves. Our entire regiment fed ourselves by farming wheat. We lived primitively. We cleared the forest land and planted and harvested the wheat itself by our hands. We didn't have tools. But that wasn't the hard part. The enemy, especially during the American War, sabotaged our crops. They dropped biotoxins from airplanes on forest covers and farmland. When they finished spreading out their toxin, the cassava plants rotted. The banana plants died out and the soil was unusable. We hurriedly collected the cassava plants from underground and soaked them under water and ate them later. It was really bitter, but at least it was eatable.
Living most of my life on the battlefield gave me hundreds of problems. So at Dreamsung, I used to joke with my regiment. If we don't die from bombs or bullets from the enemy, we will die from everything else. Everything else consisted of natural disasters, disease and hunger. On the steep mountain, if rain fell heavily, the land below us would sweep away and we would all die. If we were crossing a river or a stream, and the water from the source above suddenly rushed down, one would be carried away and die. Chemical toxins, snakes, cheetahs, and tigers, all of them were real threats. As much as we have to fight our enemy, we had to keep nature and disease on our radars too. Back in the time, malaria was prevalent within the army. Everyone had it. Malaria was linked to bloated livers, swollen eyes, and a block of blood flow, everything. There was a period when half of my regiment were dead because of malaria. There was another period where some of my regiments died because of hunger. There was simply not enough food to sustain everyone. But I have many more stories to tell. But you cannot imagine the times I have been through. I think that should give you a pretty accurate picture of what the war was like. As a soldier, he has gone through countless hardships. He sustained injuries, witnessed his comrades die in front of him and he experienced setbacks. But he stayed optimistic through it all and reminded me of what an undying spirit of a soldier looks like. Mr. Being learned the hardships of life through his times as a soldier, a general, a lieutenant, and a commander during many different wars. But he stressed that one must be able to truly understand hardship in order to understand and appreciate how valuable today's life really is. The Vietnamese youth today will never be able to fully understand what war looked like. But by reading, educating, and learning about the stories of the people who lived in those times, one can be more sympathetic and as well as appreciative of how valuable freedom really is. His story speaks a lot about the nature of how the Vietnamese narrative evolved and how Vietnamese society has evolved from its time during the war. It shows that the Vietnamese narrative is more than just a physical transformation of the country and its landscape, but also in the perception of life as many different generations pass by. Mr. Being's story shows that there is a fundamental disconnect or lack of understanding between different generations of Vietnamese people. According to him, the only solution that can bridge the generational gap is for new generations of Vietnamese youth to learn more about the evolution of Vietnamese history and culture. It is only then that Vietnamese citizens can truly empathize with one another through a common bond of shared history. To him, the Vietnamese narrative, more than ever before, is shaped by today's youth. They need to carry with them historical awareness of their heritage and write the next chapter of Vietnamese societal evolution. This has been the Vietnamese Narrative Podcast. If I think I got some pedal back, I'm going to try to put it down right now.